Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Because optimal health is real wealth, Ryan. Amen. Uh, today, we're going to talk about making simple choices to improve your overall wellness with our guest, Dr. Ryan Green from Monarch Athletic Club in West Hollywood, California. Doc Green, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks man. for having me. It's One of our favorite human beings on the planet is here. Uh, yeah, my favorite doctor by far I've ever had. <laughs> That's kind of y'all. <laughs> Mainly because he's like the healthiest doctor I've ever had. Well, isn't that weird how like you go to doctors sometimes and like I had to go have a colonoscopy earlier this year and great guy, very kind, but he was like kind of obese and yeah. like didn't have necessarily the best recommendations for me he was really good at actually doing the colonoscopy at sure. least i think he was mm-hmm. um now now doc you are you're really healthy but also you got into functional medicine i think for a reason yeah absolutely so um as a medical student resident fellow i experienced the same things that you did so on my mentorships rotations and things like that i interacted with my attendings mentors and whatnot. And I saw the same things that you did. These people were coming in, they were living unhealthy lives, making poor health choices. And I always thought it was a kind of an odd paradigm for someone to come in who's ill and then take advice from someone who is also relatively unwell. Mm. And when I was going through my training, I'd always wanted to be a sports medicine team physician for a professional sports team, but for a multitude of reasons, one being it's a volunteer effort and a lot of people don't know that. So you end up having two full-time jobs. Um, One of the things that you have a difficult time appreciating is that a lot of people, not only those that come to you, but also those that are providing the information are not well. And so we have to do a comprehensive retool of our system if we are going to see tangible and objective improvement in our health and wellness. Because right now we're on a path for, you know, collapse in, uh, somewhat of a doomsday type approach based on how much we spend on chronic modifiable disease. Well, you were you were at the the, the Mayo Clinic where yes, you did your residency and so- Dartmouth, Dartmouth, did my residency at Dartmouth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, um, and you, you were, so you were at the Mayo Clinic yep. and, and one thing I remember you said to me was like, I realized like quite often what I would do during, in the Mayo Clinic or at residency was like, people would come in and we'd make them just well enough to go out and be unwell again. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, absolutely. And that's, uh, I had to go to, um, not the emergency room, but urgent care uh, relatively recently. And I, I noticed that like, it's it's sort of like, it's just, just different variations of Band-Aids in, in many ways. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is people don't treat another individual to say, hey, I'm gonna get you 50% better. But the fact of the matter is hospitals are businesses. They have to generate revenue because they have to function. So the underlying foundation of our current system is volume, turnover, patients in, patients out. How do you minimize hospital stays? Because insurance companies don't want to pay for extra nights in the hospital. So they encourage the practitioners and they value them based on their ability, not only to treat, but also to treat concisely so that you can get people in people out. Mm. Hospital system makes money. Insurance companies don't have to spend a lot of money. And ultimately we're all in the same 
pool in a symbiotic relationship. So you have to appreciate that that is a significantly strong underlying current in our current system that's unlike any other country in the world where prevention tends to be a little bit more of something that takes precedence. But for us, it's much more of a reactive space. It's sick care as opposed to health care. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. It's like they focus on how much money can you make per patient, not how well are your patients when they leave the hospital. Correct. I think what's what's important out of all of this, Doc, is you talk about making simple choices. There is a lot of complexity here, but we can simplify it. And I hope, hope to do that today. We've got a bunch of questions from our audience. So let's start there. Kat in Arkansas. Something that I've heard you guys talk about is that um, it's food consumption a little bit with being overweight when y'all were younger. And as a person, I know this is something that I struggle with deeply, and I do think that food is a type of consumption. So um, what I'm asking is if you guys would talk about how food fits into your minimalist lifestyle and if you would provide input on how to have a healthy relationship with food. So, Doc, it sounds like she's asking, how, how do I create and maintain? I think that word maintain is important, a healthy yeah. relationship with food. I, Ryan and I, you know, we, we often joke, but it's the truth. We were the two fattest kids when we met in fifth grade totally. uh, in school. I mean, <laughs> I was... I love when we tell people that. They look at Josh and they're like, you used to be fat? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I got up to 265 pounds in college. Oh. I stopped playing soccer and Holy I fell moment. in love with beer and Qdoba. Wow, dude. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel you and I, I feel other people's pain because I, I did definitely deviated from everything that I've indoctrinated into my day to day now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that kind of person that's never struggled with any of these problems. Like I've, I have absolutely experienced some of that stuff. Well, but, yeah. I mean, at, at that weight, that's considered obese. Uh, I absolutely. was obese. Ryan was obese. Oh, yeah. So we, yeah. all three of us have struggled with that at some point. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you were less radical than me, and I really appreciate that about you. You actually remind me a lot of my wife, where, where you take a, a more balanced approach. So I'd love to hear about you, like about about establishing and maintaining a healthy relationship with food. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It's tough. Um, what people may or may not realize, but at the end of the day, it is true. From the earliest memories that we have, we're inundated with information about eating foods that are essentially addictive, that are sugar-laden. So we develop these patterns at a young age that are difficult to deviate from. That being said, you don't have to deprive yourself of things that bring you joy. Right. You got to live a little. Yeah. And the next, you know, component of that is there are many healthy things that taste great. Food should not be a punishment Mm -hmm. by any means. Ultimately, it will require a little bit of dedication and time on the individual's end to say, hey, how can I develop that relationship through cooking myself or making the healthy choices and say, hey, it's easy to go Postmates something quickly that's relatively unhealthy, or I could take the time to prepare, or I could choose something that's a little bit more costly, but ultimately a little bit healthier. Mm -hmm. Because in the long run, there's data that shows an individual who's overweight, overweight with diabetes will spend anywhere from eight to $15,000 more per year on health related cost. Wow. So I try to tell people and patients, you know, here's the deal, whether it's shopping at Whole Foods or choosing a healthier to go option yeah. on the back end, you're saving yourself 
time, money, lost productivity in work or connection, it that way. connection with another individual because you're making a healthier choice. Yeah, because you can eat McDonald's. You know, you could spend five bucks a day and eat five double cheeseburgers. Correct. And you'll sustain yourself and live. But at what cost? I mean, you're going to end up spending a lot more. And, and a weird yeah. thing about that is like y- you mentioned, like some of these things might bring you joy. But I quite I find like when I was really just morbidly obese, I wasn't actually getting the joy that I thought I was. I was getting momentary sort of ephemeral gustatory pleasure. Sure. I, I was actually in the break room the other day here, and I saw this guy who was over, certainly overweight, mm-hmm. and he had a whole pizza in front of him, and he's just watching his phone, like mindlessly shoving pizza. And I so, totally get it because that that was I was me. there. Sure. I was totally yeah, there, but wasn't enjoying it at all. In fact, he didn't look depressed. He kind of looked defeated. Like mm. like, wow, this is. And he it didn't look like he was nourishing himself. Sure. It's just like. You, you're programming yourself to I have to I have to just put this in and I think the key is not to just say well I'm not gonna have any of that it's what am I gonna replace this with w- whether it's you know organic fruits and vegetables having yeah. a big salad for lunch or grass-fed grass-finished meat sure. you know, and and finding alternatives to replace that I mean essentially that junk food with yeah it's so true and you know you, you talked about the commitment that it takes to start eating healthy I'll 100%. tell you like the first, so last year when you told me I was like on the verge of having type two diabetes, yeah. like I had to cut out a ton of sugar. Yeah. I had to cut out a ton of uh, just really bad carbs. Sure. And th- I mean, that was hard for two reasons. Like A, I was addicted, but B, I grew up victimizing sugar or I'm sorry, victimizing fat, not, not the sugar. Yeah. Mm. And it's taken me the last five or six years to really understand that that is the, uh, you know, the FDA with you know sugar lobbyists sure. that are telling us like oh fat's bad you need to eat our our, our low fat stuff which just ends up being sure. high in sugar yeah. but those first like two weeks even the first month like we were in Australia and like dude I would get hangry and I I mean like hangry in the true sense of like yeah. pissed off don't talk to me like my blood sugar is low and it'd be easy to like grab you know something quick and something convenient. But I mean, there was, you know, a month of discomfort I had to go through sure. before my body started to not crave those, sure. those sugars Certainly. and breads. It's an addiction. It's literally an addiction. Yeah. You were feeling withdrawal from years of a certain behavior. Um, and anyone who's successful at anything in life will appreciate that it takes time and dedication to develop the appropriate practices to be successful in anything. Very rarely are people superstars from the first attempt right. at anything. And it's the same thing with food. So if you've struggled with it, just appreciate it's going to take time to develop mm-hmm. those habits, number one. Number two, having a support system of people that are going to hold you accountable is very beneficial. And then just from a food perspective, and I'm not the first person to say this, I think Michael Pollan was, you know, eat real food. Mm-hmm. If it's yeah. in a package, it's probably been processed. So try to choose things that are local, organic when you can, sustainably grown. I mean, we're in California, so we have more farmers markets, I think per capita than anywhere in the United States. So you have the ability to obtain those items. You just have to take time. You have to plan a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if you can't, for whatever reason, there are still numerous options that you can, you know, uh, patronize that will allow you to eat those healthy items a little bit more expensive, certainly. But at the end of the day, it's understanding your long-term longevity, as well as what you're actually going to, the absolute value of what you'll spend on healthcare will be minimized mm-hmm. because you are making those healthy choices on the front end. You'll pay yeah. for it now or you'll pay for it later. 100%. Yeah. Hey, um, so just real quick, Kat, I just want to kind of reframe this for you. Um, you know, 
don't eat out of convenience. Like that's a problem. Um, if you're struggling with, you know, your diet and being overweight, yeah, don't eat out of convenience. That's going to hurt you in the long run. The other thing I want to encourage you to do also, Kat, is what Dr. Ryan was saying. Like go out and get good foods and bring them into the house. If you're bringing in sugary foods, oh, I'm just going to, because this is what I do. I'll get like, you know, a little, some kind of treat. And I'm like, oh, I'll just have a couple bites a day or a sure. little piece a day. And then it's gone by the end of the day. I eat the whole jar of peanut butter. Right, yeah. exactly. Or it's gone by the next day. So so make sure you're bringing in healthy foods to your house. I mean, the, the more healthy options you have, the less unhealthy options you have, you're going to have a healthier diet for sure. Kat, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, because in there we talk about the, the five foundational values in life. And one of those is health. In fact, it's the first one because if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. Mm-hmm. The richest man in the world who is unhealthy um, well, what is the Confucius, uh, Confucius said, uh, uh, the, uh, healthy man wants 10,000 things. The unhealthy man wants one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really feel that way about, about our health. And Ryan and I wrote about some principles with respect to health that I think will really help you out. And also I think you'll find value in the rest of this episode as well. Sean, if you could reach out to Kat, send her a copy of minimalism, live a meaningful life. Uh, if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of that. Or if you want the book book or the ebook, we're happy to send those to you as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We are at The Minimalists on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Dr. Ryan Green is at Dr. Underscore Green underscore Green underscore D-O. D-O. There we go. Well, yeah. uh, if you can't remember that, we'll put a yeah. link to it in the show notes Just as well. Just Ryan Green. You'll find it. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that so you can definitely find it in the show notes. What's our first question, Ryan? Our first question is from Matthew. What unintuitive small lifestyle changes make the biggest impact on overall health? So I'm going to give you a pithy answer here. By the way, Doc Green, what we try to do is we try to give some short answers that are tweetable yep. and retweetable, um, but we can just ramble on a little sure. bit too. Yeah, Sean um, will fix it up in post and make it real nice and yeah. pretty. Yeah, he, take, he <laughs> takes all of our answers, makes them real pretty, puts them in the show sure. notes, and then Jessica puts them at minimalmaxims.com as well. Um, my short answer is granular changes produce grandiose results. I think too often we try to make a 180-degree pivot. Sure overnight i'm gonna change everything i'll throw it all out i'm going vegan i'm going carnivore i'm going blah blah whatever and it's like well no you can make a five degree pivot and you're a totally different destination sure. a year from now yeah 100 yeah. percent. uh for me circadian rhythms are huge uh for people that don't know it's essentially how your body works is based on light and dark mm. for thousands of years uh we operated based on what you could do when there was visible light and then not visible light and the body has adapted appropriately so just doing the same thing every day developing those patterns that you know that you can repeat whether it's hydration exercise when you're eating when you're sleeping those are all simple changes that you don't have to pay money for someone to uh, allow you to adopt and you will notice that the more repeatable your day is the better your body functions yeah amen you've you've often told me most medicine is free lately whether you're going to uh the the sauna or your cold plunge cryotherapy well cryotherapy isn't free uh but uh uh it's relatively inexpensive if you're if you're what you're trying to do here is take care of your body um sleep exercise, most of these things are actually free. 100%. Yeah. Dude, I love what you said when you were talking about, uh, uh, when you were responding to Kat's question. You said move, eat well, recover. Like that is, uh, that's pretty simple advice. And that's what we do here at The Minimalist. We give simple advice. Now, simple isn't easy, No, but uh, it certainly is a great advice. And that kind of leads into my pithy answer, which is when in doubt, go for a walk. 
I mean, if you're sitting around and you're like, oh, what should I be doing? Should I be doing crunches? Should I go to the gym? Like, just get up and go for a walk. I mean, you've got to move. That's what's going to help you. Yeah, I exercise every day, but it generally means I walk about eight miles a day. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do some push-ups, some pull-ups, and some squats. And uh, that's that's enough for me. All right, our next question is from Grant. What is the optimal, what is the optimal amount of time a person should work out each week? Well, uh, my short answer is what's optimal for one man is suboptimal for another. Um, and, and so like Doc Green and I work out differently for sure. I just said I do push-ups, pull-ups, squats. Um, he's like doing CrossFit and like I, you're doing all <laughs> kinds, kinds of things. So I've been what in the gym it, with him a few times. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's about moving every day though, right? hundred um, percent. I'll give you the textbook definition. American Heart Association says 150 minutes of moderate to high intensity activity okay. per week. So it's 30 minutes a day, five days a week, basically. Of moderate to high intensity. So mm-hmm. you got to sweat. It's great for your body. 80% of Americans do not achieve that minimum activity guideline. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do Soul Cycle. You don't have to do CrossFit, anything like that. But you got to do something that elevates your heart rate to the point that it stresses your body. So fitness is literally activity beyond your normal day to day. Don't care what it is everyone's is different but you gotta you have to find that point where you're breathless where you're sweating Mm -hmm. and try to get 30 minutes a day five or six days a week and you will notice your body performs much better my uh pithy answer is don't forsake quality for quantity so what i mean by that is and correct me if i'm wrong here man like for me uh, if, if I'm thinking I'm someone who doesn't exercise at all and then I hear exercise five days a week for 30 minutes high intensity, I will never just jump into sure. that. Yeah. So, you know, for someone who's at level zero right now, sure. it's like don't worry about how many times you're exercising per week, but just get out there and start moving, start start doing something. Like e- even if you're doing it only two days a week, that's better than no days a week. Sure, yeah. You, you, everyone has to start somewhere. Ultimately, we have a threshold that we would love everyone to achieve. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You have to start somewhere and walking versus sitting, hiking versus, you know, just whatever you're doing day to day ultimately will improve your your overall function. Well, and I think it, it, you know, ultimately like you, when you start to incorporate these healthy habits uh, with exercise, like you eventually will start to build on top of it. Like I find myself now where I'll get up and do the Peloton and then I'll go to the gym later in the afternoon. So sometimes I'll get two workouts, two workouts in a day, but I certainly didn't start there. Sure. Health begets greater health. Amen. All right, our question next is from Nikki. How can I overcome sugar cravings? I eat healthy meals for the most part, but have huge <laughs> issues with sugar, especially chocolate. You know, uh, I think uh, this isn't my pithy answer, but for the most part is the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could probably tweet that podcast, Sean. I mean, because th- th- that's that's my problem, right? Like, oh, yeah, I... I do that for the most part, right? Where like uh, I teach a writing class, and and one of the things like that, yeah, I I write every day for the most part. What people say, I'm like, no, you're gonna write for an hour every single day while you're taking my writing. For the most part, it's fifty one (laughs) percent. And and so um, my my short answer here is food is nourishment, not entertainment. Now now I will append that by saying you can enjoy food still, but I'd like to think of it first as nourishment. When I saw the guy stuffing the pizza in his face, watching whatever he was watching on Netflix. Netflix, um, like that was that was like he was entertaining himself with mm. it, like gustatorily, but like he wasn't um, really nourishing himself. And I want to look at food first as is this nourishing my body, my day, my yeah. mind, and then you can find ways to enjoy it. Now I, I find usually the meals I enjoy most 
are the meals that I share with other people. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I used to use that uh, food as entertainment as an excuse to eat unhealthy. Like for me, well, when I was vegan for a year on a bet and won the bet, by the way, nice. Josh still owes me a dollar. I found out Oreos were vegan. So like Oreo does this amazing marketing tactic where they're like, try our mint Oreos, try our special limited edition candy cane Christmas Oreos. And I would always be like, oh, here's like something that's kind of cool and entertaining and it's only around this certain time of year. So I got to buy it and eat it. And I fell into that trap of, yes, using entertainment as an excuse. So can a meal be entertaining? Yeah, I think there are certainly meals that can be some amazing experiences. But yeah, you're right, Josh. It's usually the company that you're enjoying with the meal. It's not the food itself. But we, we do fall into that trap of looking at, oh, well, that's uh, that's only around for a certain limited time. Uh, that looks like it'll be you know a good meal experience. And then we use that as an excuse to eat unhealthy. Doc Green, you help out with the menu over at Takaya. I do. And uh, you're not just pouring sugar into a bunch of things to make it taste good. <laughs> Heavens no. Heavens no. Here's the thing. Food tastes good because there's fat in it. Mm. If you eliminate the natural fats that are in many different foods, it's not going to taste well. And that's where we did ourselves a disservice, like you mentioned previously. We vilified fat, supplemented with sugar, yeah. and now we are where we are. Mm. Uh, with regards to the, the viewer's question, chocolate has a lot of health benefits, but it's the type of chocolate. So don't feel bad about chocolate consumption. There's a lot of people out there. It's a weakness. Just make sure you're looking for something that has 71% or greater cacao. It's a darker chocolate. It's a little bit bitter. Takes some getting used to, but ultimately you can pacify that chocolate craving and still do yourself a positive benefit. My yeah, favorite brand, uh, I think it's probably Ryan's too, is called Fruition. Now, oh, yeah. if you could put a link to the the 100% <laughs> bars, you don't have to do 100%. They have they have probably yeah. a 72%. It's mm -hmm. really high quality. You can get it on Amazon now for so about good. 10 bucks a bar. Yeah, it's, it's so expensive but you just, too. You just need like one square yeah. after a meal and sure. it is amazing. Yeah, yeah there's this 100% uh, that Trader Joe's has called, I think it's Montezuma. And that chocolate for it's 100%. It has some cocoa nibs in there, so it's yeah. almost like a healthy like crunch bar. Yeah, yeah. It took me forever to get. Actually, it wasn't forever. It took me a couple weeks to get used to. Sure. But like now, I look forward to that 100% dark chocolate. Yeah. And every time I have something that let's say just like 60 or 70%, it gets super super sweet to me now. So your yeah. body does adjust. So Taste Nikki, time. yeah, get darker chocolate uh, for your chocolate cravings. Your body will definitely adjust to it. Uh, my pithy answer is this: If you want to quit something, stop surrounding yourself with it so uh if you're gonna bring in again you're gonna bring in those treats you're gonna bring in unhealthy foods uh to your house nikki like you're gonna cave in and you're gonna eat it because it's there yeah so uh that's that's one way you can definitely help overcome those sugar cravings is stop bringing the sugar into the house yeah get the sugar out because uh if you're breaking the addiction you don't want to have heroin all over the house either sure, right. right or you don't want to hang out with people who are doing heroin 100%. i mean it's i know it's hard sometimes like even here at the uh at we work uh -huh. like they'll have like oh someone brought in taffy and there's like a bag of taffy on the table and i just have to like put my blinders on and like walk past it but even you know it works sometimes you get tempted with it but you know if you can you can you at least have the ability to control what sugar comes into your house and and you can certainly make some uh some yeah advancements there can i add one more component yeah dude. Sure. i talk to patients all the time about this it's not a pithy answer you guys are better at that than i am <laughs> but here's the deal break down the year 365 days if you have a quote-unquote cheat day which is like such a popular term these days mm -hmm. once a week 52 days out of the year you're essentially not nourishing your body for almost 20% of the year. Mm. So if you walked into an exam in school and your teacher said the maximum score you can achieve is 80% B minus, would people be okay with that? Yeah. Probably not. And, and that's if you really do good the, for all the other 80%. One cheat day. When I was yeah. at Mayo Clinic, 
brief tangent, everyone had a birthday or some reason to celebrate. Yeah. And it's not Mayo Clinic's fault, but in the break room, there's always cake, there's always punch from 9 a.m. till, you know, whenever it was gone. Mm. And you walk through there and you're like, you know what, I can have a little square, a little <laughs> corner. And you end up doing that three or four days a week. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're like, why can't I achieve this goal? And you're like, well, you're undermining yourself and you don't even appreciate it. Yeah. It reminds me of the Jocko Willink quote. Like if you're if you go and you're like, do you want the cake or the pie? And you're like, well, there's the third option. The third option is to have neither. Neither. Dude, yeah. I want to, uh, Sean, please put in the uh, the show notes that uh, Jocko Willink, or what is his last name? Willink. Willink. Yeah, Jocko Willink, that, uh, uh, the album that he has essentially on iTunes. Uh-huh. But it's great. Like, if you need motivation to, like, eat healthier to, or to not eat unhealthy. To put the donut down. Yeah, put the donut down. It's poison. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's, I w- yeah, I would recommend that, Nikki. Like, download that album, and then every time you got that craving, just listen to a couple of those those tracks that he has, and uh, it, hopefully it'll change your state a little bit. That's a really good added value for the day. All right, looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Uh, questions about appetite, about supplements, about EMF and artificial light exposure. Questions about stress and fasting, intermittent fasting, tips for improving sleep, also exercise at Dr. Green's Monarch Athletic Club, and much, much more with Dr. Ryan Green. Also, 27 health and nutrition tips that are actually evidence-based. And we've got this hilarious article from James Altucher. So funny. I haven't laughed that hard in a while, man. Uh, Five reasons I don't go to doctors. (laughs) Uh, And we're going to check that out. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I, and well, this week, Dr. Ryan Green and I, and Ryan Nicodemus and I, (laughs) all three of us, we record an entirely different, much longer Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about a bunch of stuff we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement-free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist private podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. And uh, also on Patreon, we're doing Ask the Minimalist Anything. We're doing a special health version with Dr. Green as well. So you're going to get like a quadruple dose of, of Dr. Green uh, this week. You can check that out. Oh, and we're capping our Patreon support at 6,000 people now. We've decided that's enough. So there are some spots left, um, but once we we have 6,000 people, then it's all full. We're shutting the door. Yeah, we're going to close the door <laughs> and talk to the small audience over on Patreon. You can find all that, all the details, all the good stuff, including an additional p- private podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. Nicodemus, what else you got for us this week? Being informed is more important than ever, especially when it comes to health topics. So get out there, uh, read more. I mean, Josh and I, I mean, we are not doctors. Luckily, we have a doctor here to answer these health questions. But, you know, you want to get more of a diverse opinion than just Dr. Ryan Green. He's got a great opinion, but get out there and read more and get informed. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, Josh and Ryan. Just a few tips about your listeners and also things I've learned on the way. Um, Let your kids wear heirloom jewelry and play dress-up, have a tea party or a candlelight dinner. You'll make memories and bring meaning by doing so. You can frame the jewelry in a shadow box and display it as art. IKEA is a great resource. They're a nice way to edit collections or honor the memory of a loved one by framing their mementos and pictures in a small contained space. I found useful sentimental items brought me the most meaning. I cook with my mom's wooden spoon daily and warm my kids with the afghan my grandma knitted. 
I'm finally donating the china I've kept in a box for 20 plus years because I realized it won't have any meaning or relevance for my daughter since I never used it. Replacements.com is a resource to sell china and silverware. For everyday practical items, buy quality and aesthetically pleasing ones. Buy the flowery nail clippers. If people won't stop giving you things, swing by Goodwill on your way home and get a receipt. Treat it like candy. Don't even bring it into your house. Find resources online for recycling. Pay for postage if it means that much, but give yourself permission to toss these items, those items that won't be donated. While you're establishing a baseline, you'll be tossing much less in the future. Wean off shopping by going to thrift stores and yard sales. Always have a list of needs. Remember, a dollar spent is still a dollar spent, and even free might come with a price. I've been known to replace all the items in my cart back to their respective places, treating each as if the hunt was satisfying enough and feeling empowered by asking the hard questions and making the conscious choice not to possess it. Take a picture if you want to remember it. Take pictures of your kid's art and make a book. Turn old t-shirts into quilts or pillows. For every <clears throat> excuse me, one new thing, rid yourself of two things. Tool libraries are cropping up for borrowing tools. If you don't have one, start one. Volunteer at handsonnetwork.org. Register, click to sign up, and then show up. When we lost our business and house and filed bankruptcy, we volunteered. When my husband died in an accident three years later, we volunteered. Don't underestimate the power of giving to and doing for others. For me, passion equals pressure. Instead, I'm following my curiosities and my love of learning. If that leads to a passion, then that's great. And if not, that's okay, too, because I will have learned a lot along the way. Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, I just have a comment about uh, the recent health podcast. Um, and uh, I just want to say that one thing that I have found has been really helpful for me um, with increasing my fitness um, in kind of like a minimalist way has been um, basically making my body a vehicle. Um, you know, I live in, in Edmonton, Alberta, so we have winters and summers and falls and um you know, I, I used to rely on my car a lot um, just to get me everywhere, whereas now um, I, I bike um, in the summertime pretty much from April 1 to October 31, if weather permits. Um, and in the winter, I take the bus. And that has made a huge difference for me because um, I get some type of physical exercise every single day. And uh, what I love about cycling in the summer is just the, the mental health that I gain as well because I see the sunrise every morning and I get to experience nature, and I just, even if I'm having a really busy work or family life, I don't feel like I'm missing out on the season because I'm cycling, I'm getting outdoors every day. And uh, and the best part about that is um, is for my daughter because she is a part of that, and um, and she loves going for bike rides with mommy, and she loves going for stroller rides in the winter or going for sleigh rides to daycare every morning, and um you know, so it's become a real family affair, and I encourage anybody to to think about their body as a vehicle, and and maybe in this process, uh, you may realize you don't even need a car, um, which is something that my husband and I are actually uh, evaluating right now. Um, we're actually seriously considering not even owning a car anymore. So, um, so yeah, I, I, that's what I recommend for everyone to think about. Thank you. 
All right, y'all. Thanks again to Dr. Ryan Green. Make sure you find him on Instagram. It's Dr. Underscore Green Underscore D-O, but you can find that in our show notes as well. They can also find Monarch Athletic Club at monarchweho.com. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, and you said you want to give out your email address if people have questions. Yeah, absolutely. It's R as in Roger, G-R-E-E-N as in Nancy E. My last name has an E at the end of it. It's the proper spelling. So R Green at... <laughs> Monarch, M-O-N-A-R-C-H, W-E-H-O dot com. Feel free to reach out. I'll get back to y'all. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes too, for yeah. sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today, Doc. Absolutely. We appreciate yeah. you. We love you. you. We care about you. We're grateful for you. Real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. So I teach a writing class online. Uh, we're all writers now. Yeah, the, I saw this study a few years ago. We are actually the most literate generation ever. It doesn't seem that way because we're, <laughs> we're, we're like, we're talking in emojis and everything else. But you have to think a few generations ago, our grandparents, quite often the last paragraph they wrote in their life, they were 18 years old. They left high school and they went to go work at the factory and never wrote another paragraph after that. Hmm. And, and so now we're literally writing every day, whether it's text messages or tweets or Facebook posts or Instagram captions or blog posts, or maybe you want to write the next great American novel or you want to write your own book. We are all writers now and I have a writing class. I've had everyone from medical doctors take the class to high school students and everyone in between because I believe a rising tide lifts all boat. So if you want to learn how to write better, the writing class that I teach is called How to Write Better. And you can find out more about that at howtowritebetter.org. It is a four-week class where I help you learn the sort of fundamentals and the habits of how to write better. And if you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail 406-219-7839 or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com and you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, besides the Jocko Willing thing that Ryan mentioned earlier, um, we have one more added value this week. Here's a song from one of the best songwriters alive. His name is Jeffrey Folkolt. Now, uh, he has a new album out called Blood Brothers, and I don't really know how to describe it. It's not blues music. It's not country music. It's not folk music. It's not singer-songwriter music. It's sort of all of those things and none of those things at once. <laughs> I love his music because it's, um, it's pure poetry, and it's beautiful songwriting. It's some of the best writing there is, period. And by the way, it's great music as well. So here is uh, here's a song, my favorite song of his. In fact, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's called Northbound 35 by Jeffrey Focal. If you enjoy it, you can check out his new album, Blood Brothers. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Northbound 35 Through the island hill under infidel skies It's 200 miles to drive And you won't be home And I saw an earthbound train On the overpass In the driving rain Every ticket Cost the same For where you can go Staying horses, champagne glasses, 
Fall. 